good to see everybody this morning. Aren't you glad you serve a good God? Yes. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Where's our energy this morning? Hallelujah. <laughs> there you go. It's good to see you. Um, this morning I'm gonna I'm gonna be preaching about what I call stay the course. Stay the course. And I want you to flip over to Matthew, and we're gonna pray over over the just the word of God going out this morning. But stay the course, not allowing yourself to get uh, distracted by the things that are going on, but staying the course that God has for you personally and also as uh, for us as a church. So let's just uh, pray over the word and how it's going to uh, impact us, impact our heart this morning and mold us and give us revelation. Pray over your own uh, self this morning that God gives you revelation of his word for your life. Father, we thank you for just the spirit of wisdom and revelation to come upon our minds, to come upon our understanding and our spirit this morning. Lord, that we would not only hear the word, but we would understand the word, that it would take root in us. Father, that you would give every person in here insight, uh, wisdom, revelation. Open our minds to the things that you want us to do, that nothing shall seem too hard or too difficult for you, that we will take on every challenge, we will take on everything that you've called us to do, and we thank you, Father, that you have just opened the gates and that we're looking straight into the heaven's plans for us. So we thank you, Lord, this morning for that. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, even as, as we're looking around at the world and we see just the enemy's attack on, on humanity, on the Christian uh, faith, on the church, you know, a lot of people don't understand that really what's going on is an attack on, on the church. It's an attack, especially in America, because America is the last nation that's standing on a Christian foundation uh, that, that has already had things in place, a, a Christian fundamental uh, things in place and our freedom and our independence and, and things that, that this country was founded upon. And so when, when America falls, then it's very easy for everything to just line up to a one world uh, agenda, one world nation. And, and things are already uh, formulated for that. They're just waiting for America to crumble. So, you know, there's been a major attack, but the church is what stands in the way of that. You know, the church has got to be unified in this hour. And, you know, just the what, what pressed me yesterday was staying the course, not getting distracted. It can be so easy to look at the news, to see what's going on, and to get distracted by what's going on and just feel like it's just a failure, everything's crumbling, uh, what am I supposed to do? Or even, even crawl in a shell, to be honest, because as Christians, many times we, we have a tendency to withdraw. And just be like, well, that's the world's issues. They're crazy. Let's just hide out until Jesus comes. But that's not what God tells us to do. He calls us to be the salt of the earth and the light of this world. So we're going to focus on, on that this morning. I'm going to focus on us being the salt of the earth. So I want you to turn to Matthew 5, verse 13. And it says, you are the salt of the earth. 
But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Let's go ahead and read the rest of this because I may make reference to, to the rest of this as well. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put... They put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So the Bible says that we are to be the salt of the earth and the light of this world. What is salt? What is it good for? What, what is the purpose? Why did Jesus call us salt? That's a weird analogy if you don't understand what he's really saying. But you have to understand, in those times, they did not have refrigeration, right? They didn't have these convenient things that, that we call refrigerators and plug it into the wall and put everything in there and, and it, it can stay cold for, you know, eternity. And, and you know, you got to eat your food within, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks, depending on what it is. And, and it's cold. It stays. It preserves it. But without refrigeration, it would be bad within a few hours. So understanding during that time they would use salt to cure meat they would use salt to preserve things so one of the purposes of salt and the major purpose of salt in those days was to uh, preserve to keep if any of you can uh, you understand that you put a little bit of salt in with your canning with your green beans with your meat with tomatoes whatever it is that you're canning because it helps preserve it actually keeps decay from happening and if you think about that, that's what we're called. We are called to keep decay from happening in this earth. In fact, once we're removed, I can't even imagine seeing some of the things that are going on right now when the church is removed. What is it going to seriously look like? What is this world going to look like without Christ, without the light of the gospel? You know, it, it's going to be a crazy time whenever we're raptured out. I have no desire to be here when, when the church is raptured out because it's, it will be full of wickedness and evil and things that we can't even imagine. You would just be like, man, I, you can't even uh, think of these things happening. And those that have, have just been on the brink of knowing that Christ is coming, but have refused to ask him into their heart or refused to give them their life, but they know what's going on when it happens, it's gonna be a day of major regret. And that's why we've got to bring people into the, into the gospel, into the kingdom of God. So one of the things is, it inhibits bacteria from growing. It stops decay. It keeps decay from, from happening in, in uh, food. But the thing is, we're called to be like a, a moral disinfectant, so to speak. We're to stop decay. We're to stop sin from progressing in this world. We are to be the ones. How do you do that? Do you go around going, stop doing that. That's bad for you. No, obviously God gave us the fruits of the Spirit. And he gave us the Word of God. See, that's the thing. People are rioting. People are, are doing all of these things. But rioting is not going to, to progress the gospel. Rioting is not going to show love. Rioting is, in fact, there were riots in Jesus' day. There were riots in the Bible. But the thing is, it didn't solve anything. It creates destruction. It creates hatred. It creates uh, problems in society. 
Jesus never got involved and started rioting with the people. He didn't start throwing bricks. He didn't start tearing buildings down. He didn't start yelling, you know, that, that this isn't the way to get, the, you know, the gospel out. He wasn't like yelling and, and getting uh, in with the riots, even though the government itself in those days, Israel was under another government. They wanted, in fact, that's what they wanted Jesus to do. They were thinking, Jesus, you, you've come, the Messiah has come, you're going to be set up as the king now, and, and we're going to be free from Roman rule. That's what they were thinking. The Messiah has finally come, and we're going to be, we're going to have our own system, you're going to be our king. But Jesus didn't look at things the way the world, because he was spiritually minded. And we've got to do the same thing. We've got to be spiritually minded about these things. We can't get distracted. We have to stay the course. We have to realize what's really going on spiritually and attack this thing from a spiritual way, from, a, from a, an understanding that we progress through how God tells us to progress in the Word of God. What else does salt do? It also enhances the flavor of something. It enhances the, it's like a seasoning, so it makes it taste better. You know, things that are salted are always tasty, right? Especially, my mom just brought me in uh, a bag of my favorite chips, and you can't get them here in town. Uh, they're Maui onion chips, and that's my favorite. I love them. And <laughs> every once in a while, her mom sends them. I shouldn't have announced that. <laughs> I'm going to be, everybody's going to be running towards me after service. Where's the chips? But, you know, it's the salt. Exactly, he found them. The, it's, the, it's the salt and the flavor that, that entices you to want to eat that. It tastes different than any other chip, you know? And, and it's like salt adds flavor. It enhances the flavor. What are we supposed to do? We're enhancing the flavor of this world. Our attitude, what we do through the gifts of the Spirit, that's a flavor enhancer. We're actually bringing the kingdom of God to this world. And when we do that, we're enhancing the flavor. We're bringing the, the flavor of God to this earth. And people, that's why it says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Because people have to experience Him. People have to have an encounter through their experiences with God. Through God is an emotional God too. He doesn't just touch our mind and give us intellect. He touches us spiritually and it changes us. We experience it. We can't always explain it, but it's an experience when we get touched by God. It's like, man, I just, I just felt this in my spirit. Man, I just sensed God today. Man, he touched me. I was on the floor and I can't even explain how it made me feel. I just felt his love. I just felt his passion. I just felt, you know, things that, that you can't even put into words that God does in our life. What are we supposed to do? Pass that on to other people. That's why we pray for people. Let me give you a good hint on, on um, evangelizing to people. Ask them if you can pray for them first before you ask them if they want to be led to the Lord. Because as soon as you start praying for them, you're opening the opportunity and the door for the Holy Spirit to begin to do a work in their life. And then all of a sudden, as you're praying for them, the Holy Spirit's working on them. And sometimes you can be praying with them. And if your eyes are closed and you're praying with them, and then all of a sudden you open them and there's tears going down their face. Why? It's not because of something you did. 
is because the Holy, they begin to get touched by the Holy Spirit. Then it's a, a prime opportunity to say this prayer after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you for, for what you've done for me. I thank you you died on the cross and I ask you to come into my heart today. And they'll, they'll do that because they, they are beginning to experience the touch of God. But before that, they don't know what they don't know what you're you're trying to do. They don't know what your mission is. They don't know what you're trying to convince them of. They're in a head level at that point. They're they're thinking with their brain. They're not feeling anything with their heart. So you got to touch their heart. Remember a couple weeks ago when I said only a heart touches a heart when we uh, on Wednesday night when we preached on live heart first. Only a heart touches a heart. Only a mind can touch a mind. But God works through our spirit, and he can touch a man's spirit like none other. And it's way beyond the mind and goes down into their spirit, the core of who they really are. That's what we're called to do. We're called to touch people in their spirit. We're called to be a flavor enhancer and allow the things of God to flow through you. You just become the vessel. You're an earthen vessel that he flows through. That's why the Bible talks so much about man being a vessel. You're just a vessel made of clay. This goes back to dust. That our bodies go back to dust. It goes back to dirt. It'll go in the ground, but our spirit will live on. The, the vessel is just what's housing our spirit and our soul right now. But this, this body will die. But our spirit is what can touch other people's spirit. Be a flavor enhancer. Add seasoning to people's life through the Holy Spirit. Trust in the Holy Spirit to do the work. Don't trust in your own self. When you go to people, pray with people. Pray with them first, and then allow the Holy Spirit to touch them, and then lead them to Christ. Uh, number, two, number three, actually, on what salt does. What is salt for? It enhances and promotes natural color of food. So it enhances the color of food. It brings out the coloring. It keeps it vibrant rather than it starting to rot, and it's starting to turn brown and gross. Well, what does that mean? To enhance the color. Without God, our life is colorless. It has no color. I mean, if, honestly, if, if we weren't following God, to be honest, our, we probably wouldn't be married. If we weren't following God. Would you say that would be fair to say? Yeah. If we weren't following God, we, we would not have answered the call to go into missions. You know, so many people ask about that, and it, it's a door opener, you know? Oh, really? You went to Hawaii? Oh, you, you're in the mission field? Oh, you know, why? Because it looks different than the normal life. I wouldn't have done that on my own, you know? God calls adventure into your life because you don't know what he's going to ask you to do. He brings life to you, and it's that faith walk. He brings adventure into your life. He makes your life full of color where, where it would have been colorless on its own. It would have had no color. It's like a coloring book with no color in it. It's black and white. It's got all these lines, but nothing shows color. He brings color into your life because he asks you to do the, the, the daring things. You know, my mom, she'll... Uh, where she's from, she goes and, and knocks on people's doors all the time. And she's got stories. In fact, she <laughs> texted me the other day. She was like, well, I went out ministering uh, today, and 
No one got saved today, but I helped some guy that was stuck on his roof. Uh, he, his ladder had fallen and he was sitting on his roof waiting for someone to come and help him. <laughs> you know, and it's just like the stories you get to tell, you know? But not that she's hit uh, uh, death this every time. She hasn't. She leads a lot of people to the Lord. But the thing is, God leads us into a life of color. He leads us into a life of adventure. He doesn't lead us into a boring life. He leads us in, into a life of faith, into a life of miracles, into a life where, where things wouldn't be fun in and of themselves. That's why people have to go search for what they call fun. That's why they get caught up in sin. They think that's fun. The Bible says it's fun for a season, but with it comes death. With it comes destruction. With it comes the end of life. You know, so it's in the end, you're dealing with the consequences. You're dealing with all the obstructions at the end. And it's not fun at all. And most people don't get to the end of their life and say, man, I wish I would have sinned more. Man, I wish I just would have dabbled in that a little heavier than what I did. They're like, man, if I could change some things, I would have served God early on. That's what they say if they were a Christian. So God gives flavor and promotes natural color in our life. What else does salt do? It tenderizes the heart. Just like we, we use salt to tenderize meat. We can marinate it in, in salty things. It, it tenderizes. It tenderizes the heart. What are you called to do? You're called to tenderize the heart of this world. And, it, and you may think, man, what can I do? What can I do in this world? This world's so big. The problems are so big. You're called to a certain mission. And it may be one person at the moment. It may be a group of people and they all have some commonality. Like, you may have a heart and a passion. Uh, one lady back home in Ritchie County, she had a heart and a passion for, for teenage pregnancies. And she built a whole organization around it. That's what she wanted to do, teenage pregnancies, and give them a place to be mentored, counseled, and, and give them the help that they needed. And the thing is, that was what was on her heart. She made a whole, a, a whole organization, a whole ministry around it. God may press a certain burden on your heart, but that's what you feel a heart for. That's what you feel a burden for. That becomes a ministry. That can become an area where you're actually changing society, where you're bringing people. Think about it. People that are lost do not see things the way God sees them. So they go through the outlets of everything that the enemy tries to throw in front of them saying, this is the answer. Drugs are the answer. This guy is the answer. Oh, that one didn't show you love. Well, then try this guy. Oh, try this guy. And then they're, they're off trying to find pleasure and fun and peace and hope in another way other than Jesus Christ. But when someone gives them Jesus Christ and they see a different way, then all of a sudden you took one out of the grips of hell and set them on, the, on a course of Jesus Christ on kingdom living and you changed their family tree. You changed their life. So that's how we change things. That's how we change this world into a, a kingdom living for God. Tenderizing the heart. Making people's hearts tender towards the Lord. And of course, I already told you, you know, allowing God to, to pray for them. Pray for people, like Pastor Brad said, pray for people before you go hand them a ticket. Pray for family members before you minister to them. Pray for someone. If you know you're going to go visit them, pray for them first. 
If you know that you, you're, I'm going to go visit them next week. I'm going to spend this week praying for their heart first. I'm going to pray that God gives them a heart to hear the word of God. Makes them soft towards the things of God. What else? Salt treats dehydration. Like a saline solution. It treats uh, dehydration. You know, that's why, that's why that, uh, what's that, Powerade and all that, that junk that, you know, football players and all of them drink. It just tastes like nothing but flavored sweat to me. It's the most disgusting thing. I know people like it, but I hate it. I just think it tastes like sweat with some flavoring in it. And I'm just like, it's disgusting. But what it is, it's, it's, it's replenishing uh, salt in your body because salt will help retain water. So it, it keeps you from dehydrating. Well, what, what does that mean? If you're the salt of the earth, then you're helping hydrate people. You are the one that's bringing the living water into their life where they feel hopeless where they feel like there's no hope left. You know, they're, they're crying out, trying to look for a way, trying to figure out what they're going to do. You are the one that brings them hope. You are the one that hydrates them with the living water of God. And then the last one is that it cleanses and it purifies. Salt cleanses, you can actually use it as a cleanser or a purifier on, on pots, pans, surfaces. You can use that to help clean or to purify something. And of course, we know that that's what we do. We help bring people into God's kingdom and he purifies them. He cleanses them. He makes them brand new. Amen? So even, even as you're, you're thinking, I want, I want to turn to a couple of scriptures. I want you to go to 2 Kings. But I want you to think, God, what is it that I am supposed to do in this time and this hour? Because, you know, if we're not careful, we can, we can try to, we can shrink back and not feel like we have a purpose in all of this and feel like uh, the world is just chaotic, but what am I supposed to do? Don't negate the fact that one person, one person can change like a whole, you can take one person, if it's the right person, and, and they get transformed, and then they start a ministry, or they open up a, a, a house of rehabilitation and pull people in off of drugs, or pull, uh, start a, another ministry, and they're helping people get off the streets. It's, it's affecting a city. We are responsible for the city that we live in. But it's not going out and painting it and making it beautiful. I'm not saying that's wrong. That's a great thing to do. But sometimes you can get so caught up in doing the earthly things, but we're not really making an impact in the spiritual. And the spiritual is what is going to change a community. You have to change people's hearts. It's not enough to just go out and do the, the carnal things, the physical things. Those things can be good, too. Obviously, some people are not going to listen to a word you say. That's why we hand out food baskets. Because we're, we're giving them something. If a person is starving, if a person has no clothes, if a person has no home, then how, how apt are they going to be to hear your gospel? They're not. So these things are door openers many times to get to their heart, to show the love and compassion of Christ. But that alone doesn't save them. You can give them a food basket, but they can still go to hell. So you have to give them the spiritual because there's an eternity on the other side of this. This life is not just it. You know, once we die, there's an eternity. And that's what we've got to focus on is eternity. 
2 Kings chapter 2, verse 19. It says, The men of the city said to Elisha, Look, our Lord, this town is well situated, as you can see. But the water is bad, and the land is barren, or unproductive, unfruitful. So look at what Elisha does. He says, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went out to the spring and threw the salt in it, saying, this is what the Lord says. I have healed this water. Never again will it cause death or make the land barren. And the water has remained wholesome to this day, according to the word Elisha has spoken. What does that mean? You know, I believe that it's a symbol of what salt does. He said, bring me a vessel with salt in it. Well, guess what? We're vessels. We're vessels. And God has already told us that we're the salt of the earth. What are we to do? We're to throw salt out into the earth. We're to throw salt onto the lives of people. We're to throw salt. And what did it do? It made it so that they weren't barren anymore. They weren't barren any longer. The land was not barren and the water became healthy. Because before they're like, this is a great place. It's a great situation. It's a, you know, we have this mountain here and it barricades the city. We've got this stream here. It's a great situation, a great place for a, a city to be. But the very life of a city gets planted by a water stream because that's the source of life. You have to have water. And they're like, the water is, is, is no good. And the land is barren. And so he throws salt into the water. And it became fruitful. The, the water was healed and the land became fruitful. And so that's what we're called to do. We're called to be the ones that throw salt, that put salt out into the earth, that put salt into a person's life, to bring color, to bring flavor, to bring an enhancer, to stop the decay. You know, just you praying for people alone can help them overcome something that they've been dealing with for years. Them opening up to about something can help them overcome something. You casting out a demon, you praying over them for healing can change the course of their life. By you throwing salt into their life, their life can then become a fruitful life instead of being barren, instead of being hopeless, instead of it having no, no ambition any longer. You give them life. You give them hope. You give them a future because you are the representation of Jesus Christ. The Bible in, in John 15, 16 uh, some of you may have read this verse before. He says, "You." this is Jesus' words. He says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you. I chose you, but he said, I didn't only choose you, I appointed you. I appointed you. I remember reading this scripture before we were called into the mission field because I thought, man, this is, this is I, don't, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to go into a mission field. And, and I mean, you're just kind of getting thrown in there and, and it's just like all new, you know? You have no mission friends to, to call up and say, hey, you know, this is what we're dealing with. How did you deal with this? You know, we came from business worlds. <laughs> so it wasn't like we had a, a lot of uh, spiritual friends or, or other people in ministry that we could call up and say, hey, how did you deal with this? But when I read this, he said, I not only chose you, but I appointed you. I appointed you. I gave you this calling. I gave you this appointment. 
this appointment. And he says, not only that, but this appointment to do what? To go bear fruit. Fruit that will last. We've got some lasting fruit in here this morning based on, on what we did there. There's lasting fruit. He says, I've called you, I've appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. That's what we're called to do. Spread the salt. Be the light. You're a vessel. That's what that, that scripture there when he says, bring me a new vessel. Why? Because we're new vessels. We're new cre creatures in Christ. You're no longer the old. Don't look at yourself in the same old way. You're a brand new creature in Christ. If you are saved, you're a new creature in Christ. You've got a new appointment. You've got a new destiny. You've got a new mission. God is giving you a mission. He's given you an appointment to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then what does that scripture say? It's John 15, 16, if you want to write it down. He says, then my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name so that your joy may be full. God wants us to be happy. He wants us to be joyful. He's not a God that's looking to take away. He says, I want to get, as long as you're making my kingdom first, then I'm going to give you what you ask for. Why? So that your joy may be full. And not only that, but others are going to see that. Others are going to see what you have in your life. Are you spending time in your prayer life praying for things? Are you spending time uh, devoting that seed, getting that seed in the ground? Are you spending time with the Lord, getting direction for your life and making sure that you're doing what he's asked you to do? Because he will. And then take that scripture and begin to quote it. Thank you, Father, that as I bear fruit, then you're making my priority your priority. I thank you, Lord, that as I'm doing your kingdom work, that you're also answering all of my prayers. So I thank you, Lord, that these things are coming to pass in Jesus' name. The last scripture I want you to turn to today is in Isaiah. In chapter 2. And you, need, you know, even as, as the enemy, just looking at how everything has been with the, with the riots, with the division, you know, the enemy's trying to divide races, trying to divide people, trying to pit uh, people against Christians because Christians are the cause of this thing spreading. The Christians, they're meeting in churches and they're hugging each other and they're the reason COVID's spreading. Uh, you know, you can see very easily the, the weapons of God. Because when the enemy starts attacking something and telling you not to do it, you better believe that it's a weapon that, that Satan does not want you to have. Well, what is the newest one? They want the they have told the religious leaders of the, of the uh, America to wear masks when they sing or just don't sing at all. You know, it would be better if you just don't sing at all because droplets come out of your mouth and that's how it gets spread. So what's that tell you? Praise. Praise is something the enemy wants to clam up. He doesn't want you to be singing praise. Isn't that the most absurd thing you've ever heard? Yes. It's crazy. But the enemy will show his cards and show what, what it is that are weapons of our warfare. And that's one of them is praise. Another is love. So what's he do? Isolation. Keep everybody locked away from each other. Don't hug each other. Don't touch each other. Six feet apart. Stay apart from each other. Don't show any kind of 
the love, the, the new love is, is air hug, air five, all of these things now. You know, it's like creating a world where, where the very thing that's part of our human nature is to love because God is love. That that's what you're, you're supposed to stay away from now. Stay away from love. Stay away from unity. Don't, you know, try to divide people. Pit people against people. These are the things that the enemy attacks. Well, these are the things that we've got to bring back into place. We've got to make sure it's not about a rebelliousness of the heart. Understand. It's not about, well, nobody's going to tell me what to do. It's not about that. It's about showing the world who God is. And yes, there is a fight for, for our freedom. There truly is. And we've got to make sure that we keep that. We've got to make sure that we keep our freedoms in place, our constitutional freedoms. But we've got to make sure, above all else, that the Word of God is living in our life and that we are the salt of the earth, that we stay the course. In fact, this yesterday was was our anniversary and and I told everybody because my favorite movie is is The Patriot. Has anybody who's seen The Patriot? Okay. Mel Gibson. Yes. It's like the best actor. But anyway, exactly. The Patriot. And and in the movie at one point, because I wanted to watch The Patriot. And I'm like, guys, why must watch The Patriot? And and my kids are like, no, find somebody else watch because I made them watch it so many times. And, and they won't watch it with me now. And they're like, that'll watch it with me, it's your anniversary. So he did, he watched the picture with me. But there's a, this piece in the movie where, where he says, Mel Gibson, he, he, he's remembering what his wife used to tell him because his wife is, is dead. You know, his, his wife had passed away. He's got seven children. Uh, this is during the time of the Revolutionary War. And, and he already had lost one of his middle sons. And, you know, it was, he didn't want to go into battle because he had already went into the French and Indian War. He saw what war was about. And he's like, I don't want to go. You guys don't understand what, what this is going to do to our nation. You don't understand what it does to families. You don't understand what it means to, to kill and to lose loved ones. And, and then his older son, his oldest son signs up and goes into battle. And he's like, oh. you know, he was upset that he went. But the thing is, halfway through the movie, he starts, he, he ends up going into battle because because his younger, one of his younger sons was killed. And so he's going in and he's like, oh, you know, I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going after this now. And he's telling the story about his wife and how his wife would always remind him, stay the course, stay the course. And what she was saying is don't get distracted by, by the little things that don't matter. And then the oldest son was like, yeah, I remember mom telling me stay the course when, when one of my younger brothers would be picking on me. You know, stay the course. Keep the, the main thing the main thing. And then his oldest son ends up dying at the end. And he's like, I, I've given up hope. I don't feel like fighting this war anymore. I've lost something so valuable to me. I've lost two sons. This war is doing nothing but tearing up families. Think about this in, in relation to today. This battle, what is going on? People losing hope. People losing, uh, feeling like they're just, I've lost my job, I've lost this, I've lost that. Feeling hopeless. And that's what he was doing. He was like, I don't have the ambition to do this anymore. I've lost something so valuable in my life. But then one of the officers comes in and says, come on, we're so close to the end. We're so close. We can, this is almost within our grasp. 
This is all, we're almost at the end. And before he walks out, and he knows nothing of the conversation from earlier with his wife, and, and he, before he walks out, he's like, stay the course, stay the course. And, and he leaves, and it's just like you could see it in his eyes. Like, it, it kind of did one of those jerk things mentally, you know, where he was like, what? What did you say? Stay the course. And, you know, I was, as I was going through this yesterday, actually, that, that part is what prompted me to want to watch the movie <laughs> because that just kept going through my head. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course. Don't give up. Don't, don't get distracted by the things of this world and what the world says is going to work and, and all of the things that, that the world's trying to throw in. Stay the course. Continue to do what God's telling you to do. Be the preservative of this earth. Don't lose hope in humanity. Don't lose hope in the people that you're around. Even though it looks a mess and even though people's mindsets are can be so muddled because of what they've been around, what they've, what they've been exposed to themselves, different mindsets, different mentalities, different theologies, but don't lose hope. Reach the ones that you can. Reach the ones that are ready to be salted, that are ready to, to gravitate towards the light of Jesus Christ. Don't lose hope. Because why? This verse that I'm getting ready to share with you, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 2 in Isaiah, it says, In the last days, which is now, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as chief among the mountains. It will be raised above the hills and all nations will string, string to it. That's a verse concerning today's time. That as, as everything looks more chaotic, what is the church supposed to do? It's supposed to shine brighter and brighter. How do we shine brighter? We don't look like everybody else. So trying to blend in just makes us look more like the world. How do you stand out as light? You've got to look different, which means sometimes you've got to say things that everybody else is not saying. Sometimes you've got to look like what everybody else is not looking like. And see, that's the problem. Because right now they're, they're trying to make this mindset of, oh, Christians, we're just tolerating you. We're just tolerating the Christians. We're just trying to, to water things down, trying to dilute it, trying to make it so they blend in with everybody else and blend in with the world. And that's not what we're called to do. If we're going to be a light, how do we be a light by blending in? Because that just means we become closer and closer to darkness. The light looks different. The light shines. The light is something that looks different. It says different. It talks different. It shows different. It walks different. So yes, is there going to be some pushback? Yes. Because we're dealing with spiritual things. But the thing is, we're called to be the light. In this day and hour, the church is called to be the light. That's why we're going to one of the darkest places. That's why we're going to Fifth Street Park. We're going there to be a light. We're going there where, where people I know are, are hopeless, where people may not have a hope. Because many times they just need someone. They don't, they don't know where to go. They don't know who to trust in. But if you shine in a dark place, 
and give them the opportunity to come to you and give them the opportunity to, to spend time with you. And then all of a sudden, a connect is made. And all of a sudden, they're like, I want what this person has. I want this, this thing that's glowing on the inside of them. I want, I, I, I'm getting a taste for that salt. And I'm wanting it. I'm desiring it. Not everybody may be at the same place, but there are those that are at that place. And they need salt. They need light. Amen. So people will stream to it. In verse 3, many peoples will, will come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of, of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his way so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion. Zion is the replication of the church. It's the representation of the church in this day and hour. When you read Zion in the Old Testament, think the church today because that's what it's a, a picture of. When it says that people are going to go to Zion, it's meaning the church in general, the church as a whole. They're going to go where to church? They're going to go, come to the body of Christ. Why? Because they need taught. What is going to change the rights? What's going to change the mindset? What's going to change? What's going to change it and make people think that God's my healer, not not the a vaccine, not a mask, not this, not that? What's going to change that? Being taught, being taught the word of God. What's going to change the mindset around racism? Being taught that we're all God's children. That there is no black, white. There's no red, yellow. There's no, there's no that does not exist in the spiritual. We are God's children. Amen. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We do not look at color. We look at spirit. We don't look at man and, and, and see things from man's perspective. We see things from God's perspective. So that he will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his path. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many people. They will, listen to this, they will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. What changes the hatred in people's lives? This right here. There has to be a learning and a touching of the heart. It doesn't happen by going out yelling at people and rioting in the streets. It doesn't happen by, by you know, thumping people with arguments and debates. It happens by training and teaching through conversations driving down the road. This is why relationships are so important. This is why we've been preaching so much on love and discipleship and bringing people in under you because it's the only way that people change is through the learning of the Word of God, through changing their mindset in the Word of God. And then when you're in those conversations and you're teaching them and you're training them how the Word of God teaches us to look at things, then what happens? They change their swords that they were going out, the, the hatred of their tongue, the sword of their tongue that they're going lashing out with and, and criticizing and putting people down and lashing out with hatred, this turns into what? A plowshare. What's a plowshare? It digs, it digs rows into the ground so that seed can be planted. So what? Their purpose no longer is to go out and create war. The purpose now is to go out and plant seed. Yeah. Isn't that good? Yeah. Their, their purpose
purpose now isn't about lashing out. The purpose now is to go out and plant the seed, the word of God, in someone else's life. Why? Because their, their heart changed. They had a life change. Because someone sowed salt into their life. Someone sowed the word of God into their life. And then what? No longer will their spear, they'll have spears, they'll beat their spears into what? Pruning knives. What's a pruning knife? It cuts once the once the grapevine starts to grow up, they would use the pruning knife to prune it and to cut it back. Well, that means uh, being pruned in the word of God. They're growing up and they're allowing themselves to be molded, directed, corrected, disciplined, uh, being taught of the Lord. So they're now going out, they're sowing seeds from in the word of God to, into other people's lives and they're also allowing themselves to be pruned but they're also pruning other people as they're learning. That's how we change a community. That's how we change people. Is we are called to be the salt of the earth. We're called to stay the course, not to look at things the way the world looks at them. We stay the course and do what God calls us to do. We make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then it says, also teaching them all of my commandments. Teaching them all of my commandments. So it's not just about going out and, and converting them. Yes, that's important. But it's also about the discipling. It's about teaching them what the word of God says. The last thing I want to leave you with is, you know, most of you are probably familiar with Romans uh, chapter 1, or sorry, Romans 12, 1, where it talks about how we're to be a living sacrifice. No, we're to lay our lives down because this is a reasonable act of worship. It's a reasonable service to God. But we now are a living sacrifice. We don't bring, none of you I don't think brought in animals this morning to sacrifice, right? You didn't bring your cow, your sheep, anything to give to God this morning. No, no altar up here to, to lay meat up on. That's good. I'm glad because your sacrifice is through Jesus Christ. But we then become a living sacrifice for God. Well, what does that mean? That means our life becomes a sacrifice. So all of these things that we just talked about, salting the earth, it's not always what we feel like doing. Some people say, well, only when I'm led, you know, but they never, they never go out and, and tell anybody about God because it's really something of fear. They're dealing with a fear thing. But the thing is, God tells us, we don't have to be told to do that. He said it was a command that was universal. And he tells us to be a living sacrifice. Well, what's interesting in Leviticus, the, uh, God told all of the people that when they were to bring an offering, guess what they were supposed to do with their offering? Salt it. They were supposed to salt their offering. That's in Leviticus 2.13. Season every offering, all of your offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of God out. In fact, he says it three times in that verse. To salt every offering. Well, we don't bring meat in anymore. But guess what? We, we become the salt. It's a covenant that we have with God. It's a representation because if they salted their offering, it was a, it was a representation of the, this covenant that I have with God is preserved. It does not die. I'm not stopping and he's not stopping. I'm faithful to him. He's faithful to me. It's a continuous covenant that I have with him. 
Now, when we offer our living sacrifice, what do we do? We add salt with it. That means we're being the salt of the earth. As we are the salt of the earth and we're, we're operating as that type of an offering, that means that we're keeping that covenant with God with what he told us to do. He told, he told us to be the salt of the earth. So we salt that, even our offering that we offer of our own lives, the sacrifice of our own life, we sold it. We are the salt of the earth. So even as, as God is uh, pressed on your heart this morning, you know, what, what people are in my life that God is calling me to? What, what people are there that, that God is wanting me to, to add some extra flavor to, <laughs> add some extra salt to, to, to be a preservative in their life? To be the, the flavor enhancer. To pray with them. Maybe I'm supposed to step out a little bit more. Maybe I'm supposed to, to add a, a little bit more conversation around the spiritual things. Maybe he's calling me to do a little more than what I've been doing in certain relationships in my life. Maybe he's been pressing that on you. And this morning I want to challenge you. Don't, don't push that to the side. Be obedient. To what he's telling you to do. Many of you, I know you're already doing that. Continue. Continue to be that salt. Because that's how you bring people in. They, they desire more of that in their life. Why don't we go ahead and stand to our feet.